Hello and welcome to the WIFT Ireland podcast. I'm Vanessa Gilday, Vice Chair of Women in Film and Television Ireland. On the 9th of November, as part of the Cork International Film Festival's Industry Days event, we hosted a live online panel titled, In Her Own Voice, Women Talk Film. The session celebrated the work of three talented Irish women filmmakers, as well as the positive initiatives and structural changes that aim to recognise, encourage and promote women in film. This panel was led by WIF Chair Dr. Susan Liddy and features filmmakers Kathy Brady, Alva Keoghan and Katie McNeese. The event was presented in partnership with Cork International Film Festival with support from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Good morning, everyone, and it's lovely to be here, and we are delighted to be back. We have collaborated very successfully with Cork International Film Festival for the last number of years and hope that that collaboration will continue. So I'd like to put a few things in context before we begin and before I introduce our panel to you. I often caution about um, an overly optimistic view of, you know, how, how equality is progressing. Uh, in Ireland, because, you know, popular discourse can suggest that, you know, we're moving forward relentlessly towards a 50-50 situation um, and that it will just happen automatically if we have a little bit of patience. And that can be quite dangerous talk because the reality, of course, can be contradictory, as so many of us know. We can have a step forward and two steps back or vice versa. The data doesn't in every case paint a great picture of having achieved the degree of equality that so many of us want. But, but, to accept that that as a reality does not, of course, mean that we don't have something to celebrate, because of course we do. There was a time when having three women sitting on a panel in front of me talking about their recent and forthcoming work would have been quite a stretch. And yet, here we are today. So we need to celebrate what has been achieved. We need to pause and do that. And that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We need these moments of celebration to sustain us for the ongoing work to make the Irish film industry a leading light globally in terms of equality and diversity. So I'd love to introduce you to the panel now. We have with us today, Cathy Brady, Alvic Kyogan, and Katie McNeese. So Cathy Brady, what can, where do I even begin with Cathy Brady? A two-time IFTA award-winning director for her short film, Small Change, and Morning, and Morning, of course, nominated for the European Academy Award for Best Shorts. In 2011, she directed uh, Rough Skin TV drama. She went on to direct, uh, to direct um, an episode of the BAFTA-nominated drama thriller Glue. And uh, she's probably best known, I suppose, here for uh, directing the first series of Stephanie Preisner's Can't Cope, Won't Cope. In 2017, she was one of 15 female directors selected for BAFTA Elevate and was also selected as one of the Irish Times 50 people to watch in 2019. Well, here we are in 2020, Cathy, and I can tell you we're watching you very, very closely, but more of, of that in a moment. She was the winner recently of the IWC uh, Schaafhausen 
fil filmmaker bursary at the London uh, Film Festival. And of course, we are here today uh, because of her debut and much anticipated uh, feature, Wildfire, uh, which we'll talk about shortly. So if I can move to Alga, Alva Kyogen then, Alva's first feature film script, Run and Jump, was uh, very well received. That film premiered at Tribeca in 2012, and the script went on to win numerous awards, including uh, Zebi for Best Screenplay in 2014. Her feature film, Donut, is due to go into production in 2021 to be directed by uh, the uh, wonderful Ema Reynolds. Uh, Sunlight, part of Screen Ireland's inaugural POV scheme, due to go into production in 2021 as well, produced by Roisin Geraghty with Blinder Films and uh, directed uh, by Claire Dix. And I think it's interesting looking through the notes here that both Alva and Katie are both involved in Screen Skills Ireland mentorship scheme, which I'm really interested to talk about later on. Uh, look, I could be talking, I could be literally going through them all. It seems to me in a nutshell that Alva has work in development and she has work ready to go into production and she seems to be bursting at the seams, which we can, uh, we'll, we'll find out about shortly. So moving to Katie McNeese then, Katie's uh, debut short, Orbit, has screened in something like 70 festivals, winning about 40 prizes. And more recently, by the way, she was nominated for uh, a Zebi uh, by the Writers Guild of Ireland for Best Short Script, and that's up and coming uh, later this month. Um, her short script, Lamming, won the 2020 IMDb Script to Screen Award and Best Screenplay at Kerry International Film Festival. Her Irish language short, Fuckle by Cree, a reimagining of grief as a privilege of having loved. I'm sorry. Um, I lost my own father this year, so that's actually quite um, emotional. It sounds like a wonderful project, uh, Katie. Um, her debut feature, Lily, co-written with Graham Cantwell, is a coming-of-age LGBT drama, which is now in post-production. And as I said, Katie, you're also on the Screen Mentoring Programme. So look, there's absolutely loads to talk about there, and we've got very little time. Uh, and hopefully we can get some time at the end for um, questions. But I'd like to start with you now, Cathy. And before we start chatting, I'd like to ask Michael to show a clip of Wildfire um, whenever you're ready there, Michael. Thank you. Can I buy you ladies at Grand Beach? Yeah. You want something stronger? No. Sure. Yeah. You twins? <laughs> no. <laughs> Guess who's older, me or her? Hmm. Bet you're older the size of that belly on you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on. I, I, that's all muscle, love. Here, muscle man. See if you can do this. Watch. Oh, my legs. Yeah! <laughs> you can't be doing that in here, girl. <laughs> Why not? What are she doing? Cut it out or get out. Sure, they've done far worse and you still serve them. <laughs> yeah, far worse. You should go on now, girls. We're not going anywhere. We haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> Someone shut that fucking hanging up. <laughs> you don't know who you're dealing with, wee girl. Yeah, I do. 12th of July, 92. Busy for you, wasn't it, Jerry? My man told me what you did. Our dad was one of the 26 year bomb killed. She doesn't even remember him. And you look at early release to keep the peace. 
He might be a free man, Jerry, but you're still a murderer. Alma! 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 You don't spare me, mess up! What are you gonna do, huh? What are you gonna do, huh? Get those fuckers out of here today! That's it, girls. Bye-bye. Get the fuck! Bye-bye, girls. Kathy, um, as you probably know and are tired of hearing by now, I mean, that, that is, it, it looks just wonderful. I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's such an anticipated film. And uh, there, there are so many people who are waiting so patiently for you to release your first feature. Uh, are, are you aware of the great, uh, I suppose, level of expectation around your first film? Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> I try not to uh, get too caught up in it. Um, but every so often, you know, you get a whiff of the pressure and you just try not to take it too serious. Well, I mean, it's getting great. You know, I'm anyway, we're, we're all dying to see it. We won't say anymore. We won't load any more pressure. It's getting great reviews. So I don't think there should be any pressure there. Kathy, I know that this film was sometime in the making. And I think that it, if I, you know, I've read quite a bit about, about the making of it. So I think it took about five years in all for you to get going. And I'd like you just to talk us through briefly, because I know that you have, you've done many interviews and I'm kind of conscious of not wanting to repeat the same questions. So if you do, like, take us through a little bit about when you, you know, that five years. But I think the thing I really was interested in talking to you about was your particular style. Because it seems to me that, okay, the film industry is a collaborative industry, we know that. But it seems to me that you take the whole concept of collaboration very, very much further than that. And I was enchanted to hear about your engagement with the two female actors and how, in a way, your work with them was established almost as a pact before the film was even really uh, ready to be kind of rolled out and that you in a way found the story with them would that be reasonable to to um to say i think kathy has frozen it's breaking up kathy i think kathy what i'm going to do is i'm going to leave you for the moment so. and i'm going to go on um i'm going to move to alva yeah. next so hi alva i interviewed you back a long yeah. time ago alva. i think it was 2013 and Run and Jump was just had just been out, and of course Run and Jump, um, you know, was very very well received, and 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 a wonderful script, of course, uh, directed by Steph Green. But you know, that was two what is it, 2012 with that with that came out. Is that about right, uh, Alva? Yeah, about, um, yeah. You have done so much in the interim. That's not to say you haven't. My question is not to suggest you haven't, because clearly <laughs> you've done so much in, in, in the works. But can yeah. I ask you, did you find at the time, or did you think at the time, that your second feature was going to come to you more quickly than it did? Yeah. Do you mean actually getting it over the line? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm in a slightly different situation than the lads there, just as a writer only, because I have learned that all that is outside of my control. Yes. There is a thousand and one reasons why a script doesn't get over the line. I've had a taste of everything. Someone attached could have passed on. There's legal wranglings, you know, talent attached, you know, may have got an international franchise and then the small mm -hmm. indie isn't as a people. Like there's so many reasons. So all I feel I can do is just keep writing them, putting them into mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. PDF. And, and what ends up happening though, I think with that is this kind of bottleneck scenario where you've got a ton of them in development and that's what I found just super tough about two years ago I had eight in development and I just was on the verge of imploding I just and I'll, I'll never allow myself to get that way again but you've so little control mm. as a writer in terms of getting it over the end line you have yes. to let go and trust mm. that 
And you know. is, is it dispiriting, Alva? Is it dispiriting but, that, you, that you don't have that control when you're working? No, but, but, yeah, but what it is, is you're so close to your producer and director by the end of a life cycle of a project. It's dispiriting mm. for you to have to watch them because like I can just move on. That's now a PDF on my laptop, whereas a director is actually waiting, getting geared up can't stop can't stop and they can't take any they can't really commit to other projects in the meantime so i think it is harder for people who are closer to the yeah to the production stage mm. but um it, it, in the early days it was dispiriting but now i just i just write away and i just yes, in my yes, bed and I, carry i can't control any of the rest of it i know and that's the secret i suppose really and i know it's been said again and again but uh, it's the it's the it's being persistent isn't it and, and staying with it which you seem to do so well for sure you stay mm. with it and and I, you are in a friendship uh, you know with these people so it's not like it's nice it's a nice presence in mm. your life even if it's not moving you know you check in every now and again and you push forward and then there's a bit of excitement and then you yeah, if, you know, friends of activity and then there's another draft done. But yeah, you do have to write and then rewrite. And then if you get a different cast attached, rewrite for that cast, maybe mm. like because you just have to be mm. flexible. Yes. And yes. Uh, be able to endure mm. without getting depressed. Yes, indeed. Endurance is something we're all learning <laughs> by the day. And on yeah. that, Alva, I mean, you've got, you seem to have a lot about to come on. Am I reading yeah. that right? Yes. Well, well, definitely one, hopefully two, maybe three next year, which would be wow. amazing because then yes. they're gone out of my head and I can reinvest mm. in another you know, yeah. story world. Yes. Uh, how has COVID, how has COVID uh, impacted on um, on your on, on not on you as a writer, obviously, but on what you have written going into production? I mean, ha has production been impacted, and how have you found that? As poor Rasheen, because Rasheen Garrity there is the producer on Sunlight, and that we were meant to shoot in August, uh -oh. you know, and we made and what, a, I think we made yeah. a very brave call early not yeah. to try and do. Yeah. Yeah, at any earlier than we were comfortable with, and we didn't, and so it's it's slated for next spring. Mm. But and are you are you excited, Alva, to see your work? I mean, I know you've done uh, "Take Me Swimming," that wonderful show, yeah. "Take Me Swimming." Uh, so it's not like you haven't seen your work on the on the big screen. But are you excited to see another feature of yours? On yeah, the big I'm screen? very excited yeah. because just when you're talking to Cathy there about like yeah. writing with the two girls. Like yes. I wrote this specifically for Barry, uh, Barry Ward and with yeah. Barry, and he was very close to this uh, process. I'm very excited to actually see Barry take it and run with it. And yes, yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's, yeah. that's great. And Has then COVID... to see Claire do her thing. Yeah. yeah. Has COVID impacted on you mentally, like you're in terms of your, 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 the way you're coping with it, Alva, or do you just no, get on? Because it's very like life is normal for us down here. <laughs> It's, it, yeah, it's, so life in Kerry just goes on as normal, is that it? Uh, well, a little bit for me, do you know, because yeah. I, like I was meant to be in a writer's room in London, they turned it into a virtual one, that was the biggest impact on my work life, and the virtual one, the Zoom, I was absolutely allergic to the whole concept of spending seven hours a day in Zoom mm. with ten other, in a, like in a, in a collaborative creative, and mm. it was an absolute joy, it was the mm. revelation of COVID for me, that Zoom rooms work. It was, I, I think that's yeah. going to be the future, actually. I think you're going to meet your writer's room at the beginning in the flesh. You're going to, you know, be online for the middle duration and then you'll meet at the end. 
Um, okay, well, that's a positive <clears throat> spin for you. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like she's got a really cozy down in Kerry. Alba, thank you. I want to come back. Mm -hmm. Katie, do you mind if I come back to Cathy and then I'll come to you? Because Cathy could vanish, it looks like, at any moment <laughs> again. Cathy, I don't even know if you if you heard my question initially. I did. I did. Isn't this the technical fear, how everything is going swimmingly well and then suddenly, you know, so I'm interested in this idea. I'm fascinated with this idea of almost, if you'll forgive, maybe this is an overstretch, but it's almost a love affair in a way between your two female actors and yourself and the fact that you wanted to collaborate. There seems to be have been a wonderful chemistry. And I, I just wonder, you know, is that is that the way that you like to work or you know, every every short uh, that I was doing, I was trying to come at it slightly different in terms of improvisation and script. Morning would have been the most extreme in terms of, you know, it was developed for Eileen Walsh and Johnny Harris. They only met the first time on screen together. Um, and we did a lot of research separately. And then over a four-day period, we constructed it. Uh, there, was, there was very strong story beats. We knew what we had to film. But what exactly the characters would say was kind of found on the floor. So that was something, um, you know, because of the success of Morning, I, I grew a lot of confidence from that method and also seeing what you can get when you work with character actors in terms of performances, incredibly unique and nuanced. So I thought, how could I bring this to a feature? And I, I took a long time before making the feature because I really wanted it to be something impersonal. And, you know, I had worked with Norgian twice by this stage, with Small Change and then Wasted. And I really wanted to work with her. I guess in many ways, she's amused for me. You know, she, we were incredible shorthand. And I wanted to build on that and really sort of explore her strengths even further. And in around that period, I, I had met uh, Nikki McGuigan. Mm -hmm. And I, I was doing a theatre read for uh, The Lyric. And she came in and she had, she had two days with me and she had to do two different plays, two different accents. And I was blown away. I was like, who is this girl? She mm. is incredible. And what I realized is that her and Norgian had this real strength of spirit and soul, but incredible courage to go somewhere uncomfortable and primal and, mm. and very vulnerable. And just, you don't always come across that with actors where it's not presented. It's actually, there's real passion to go somewhere murky and really explore and delve and want to do that and I just thought wow what would happen so I literally put them two together and I realized I had something from that very first conversation I sat back and I literally knew it I had something and it really I guess it was you know there was something about both of them and I was very much intrigued about how to really unlock them and unlock their elements together and that really was where we began writing and we knew we wanted to tell a sibling story so we began researching and um, I said to the girls, have you heard of the documentary Madness in the Fastlane about these twin sisters who had a shared psychosis? Um, and without giving too much away, there's a big event that happens in this documentary. And when I showed the girls the clip, we were really, we were really shocked and taken back about what might drive two people to that moment. And what, what, how, what is a shared psychosis? And mm -hmm. it was in around that period, I was very fortunate enough to meet Carlo Crestadina, uh, my mm -hmm. first so I had literally gone into his office with 50 images, the clip from the documentary, the girl's headshot, a piece of music. And I was like, this is kind of the film I want to make. And Carlo, unknowns to me, works in a very similar way where he, he likes to workshop the material. He's really he's a true creative producer where he really builds the ground up with you. 
And uh, we were lucky enough, Screen Ireland came in very early and they helped us develop a treatment and we got a researcher on board. So that meant we were building fact and fiction mm -hmm. and because none of us had experienced psychosis. Mm -hmm. So it was it was very important for me that yeah. we knew what we were doing. Do you feel, I'm, I'm comparing you with Alva now, you know, Alva presents her director with the script. Now, of course, it will always be, you know, reworked, rejigged, whatever, but there is a script. Was it that a very frightening process for you? Was there any part of you that was a little afraid that you were moving along in that way that you described, which is both exhilarating and terrifying, I find? It's absolutely terrifying. I think I, I definitely cried a lot <laughs> making the first draft of the <laughs> By that stage, I had about six months of research. I had hours and hours of footage of workshops. And I literally had to go away for a couple of months and try to put it together. And I was like, what the hell? What the hell have I done? Like, I, are you mad? And like, I was like, so I felt like the big weight of that. But what what I tell you now, you see the moments I had in the workshop, they, they that was like seeing gold. And I, that carried me through the writing process. Yeah. Um, because I realized I had witnessed something incredibly special in the workshops mm -hmm. and real stories and people's own experiences. Like you're finding something incredibly true. It's not what you expect. And this is the mm -hmm. difference. If you're workshopping, you're not going to be very much plot driven to begin mm -hmm. with. You're going to be very much character focused. So naturally the film is actually going to end up quite different. You know, this is not a film where you can impose plot yes. on it. Way. Yes. You have to kind of go, right, I'm going to give in to these characters and I'm going to go on a journey with them. You might end up in somewhere slightly strange, somewhere unexpected, but that's kind of by the nature of workshopping. So in yes. a sense, it becomes a slightly different material. It's, I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. I, 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 I could talk to you all morning about that. Uh, but let's, we'll come back, Cathy, and continue in a minute. Can I move to you, Katie? My goodness, haven't you had an 18 months? I mean, seriously, there has been so much going on for you. Inorbit really, um, it really had a fantastic run, didn't it? It just kept going and and garnering a lot of, of um, not just awards, but really positive feedback. Inorbit was your your first film, is that, is that right? So I just want yeah. you to tell me how you got yeah. here, I suppose, really. Because you are a new voice, but yet an awful lot of people know who Katie McInnes is. Somehow you have, I don't know, you've established yourself, I think, quite quickly. I think um, a lot of that has to do with kind of sitting back and waiting, like not making the film until I was ready and not talking about my writing until I was ready. Like I interviewed Kathy and I worked in IFDN when Can't Cut Won't Cut came out and I interviewed you and I was just like, oh, this is so cool. This this person directing this TV series and like, like Alva, I know as well from like seeing different festivals and stuff, like you presented the awards um, in Kerry yeah. a couple of weeks ago for, for Lamming. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. crazy the amount of crossover you have, but I think, I had no choice but to get a career up and going independent of wanting to be a filmmaker because I just, you know, economically I had to do it. So, yeah, like I spent quite a lot of time, like I started off um, in a dodgy call centre around the time Wolf of Wall Street came out. That was my first job in Dublin. Hated it. Walked out one day. I didn't even quit. I just left. Um, I hated it. Then I went into marketing. Then I volunteered at film festivals. I worked at a design studio writing, eventually got into content strategy and um, completely bluffed my way through that interview. Um, IFTN were looking for an intern. I rang them and said, I work for you, but I can't do it for free. I talked my way into a job, then got to meet loads of people at the IFTAs, interviewed people like Kathy. And then I think through watching people do it right and do it wrong, 
you kind of pick up mm. what you're supposed to do and like the language of it and how like how should your press look and how should your social media look so i kind of almost investigated the back end you know the people that look at your film and watch it before trying to make one um, and eventually like i left um if then ifcn to become a producer so like my day job i'm a, I'm a producer for an international learning company so I've got this like studio of people I work with. They're like animators and we do AR and VR. I write scripts. I, I can direct them sometimes. Um, I do all the scheduling and the budgets. So I had all this kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, this like soft skills before directing the first film. And I was absolutely terrified out of my wits. Like I started a festival run with the script, which I think a lot of people don't do. I think with shorts in particular, not so much features, people don't write hard enough. They don't write I totally smart agree enough. That. They don't yeah, write for long enough. So yeah, like it's really lovely Irish films I watch, and then I feel like an absolute wagon because I watch them and go, oh, that's grand, but the script's a bit naff, you know? And it's like, I think it's okay to be critical if you're not doing it in a nasty way. I think we just need to be more critical of writing in particular. Um, but so I did a festival run within Orbit as a script, and I did pitching competitions. And there's a still of me on um, Instagram holding the microphone, uh, pitching in Orbit, and my finger is actually like this around the mic by accident. <laughs> I found it just years ago yesterday. and. What happened was in the course of like pitching and learning to write treatments, I like accidentally became a director because I just couldn't let go of the script. Um, and then directed it, had no idea what I was at at all. And now it's like it's won 40 awards. It's still on the festival circuit, like it's still going. Um, I've got people writing to me all the time looking for it, but you know, I haven't submitted to their festival or whatever. So it's on it's just been life changing. Like I didn't expect it at all. I, I didn't see it coming. Well, I, I love this story in so many ways, Katie, but I really do love the idea. That you, the way that you've approached it in a very well thought out, it's not usual to hear somebody go, this was my strategy. And it was a strategy not driven from, uh, from any kind of, um, you know, sort of I'm going to get my way to the top. I'm going to be, it wasn't kind of that sort of strategy. It seems to have been a strategy born of love, actually. A love mm -hmm. of it, I want to be part of it. I agree with that completely. Like, I have no practical training at all. Like, I did a master's degree in film studies at UCC, but it was completely theoretical. I can tell you all this, like, borderline useless knowledge about feminism. Hey, and psychology. You're talking to no, oh, I was talking to. no, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, I loved it, right? And I think it's actually approaching film as an academic and like the amount of um, writing that I put into like my treatments and like I write like emotional maps. I write like visual emotional maps of the film before I start with positive and negative emotion experience at the same time. And I go, okay, this is the shape of the film. Do the score first, not last. And then the cinematography, the costume, the color, everything maps to this academic view of what the emotional experience of the film should be. And I think that's when you know you're ready to direct when the writing's in the position where you can write that map and it's like this little Rubik's cube and everything just fits and you're like, okay, I have it now, it's right. You know, like the two scripts that I have on the festival circuit at the moment, like Fuckle Bala Cree yeah. and Lamming, I did I had them ready long ago, but I didn't or like Fuckle Bala Cree in fairness, I wrote specifically for Comortis Fashin. Right, um, yeah. Leaving Cert, but for Lamming, I've had that around for nearly two years, but it wasn't ready. So I didn't talk about it until it was. You know, so, you know, you're the exact opposite of what do you say about Irish people that, you know, they do their t their writing by talking about it in the pub. Remember that used to be said, you know, Irish people, they, why are more of them not writing? Because they they spill out all of that energy, you know, over pints. And then, of course, a lot of them don't bother going home and actually committing to paper. So, I mean, you're you're a complete opposite of that, uh, Katie. Uh, that's just uh, that's just an extraordinary. Do you find writing? um Challenging. I mean, are you one of these people who go? Because I remember, uh, uh, Albert, when you and I talked a number of years ago, you talked about 
the procrastination at the time that you now maybe you've changed since then but at the I time then i don't procrastinate anymore <laughs> I oh, there you go. That i've given an hour <laughs> Yeah, no. but, you know a lot of people talk about like writing it, 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 it's like it's it's like it's hard work to actually psych yourself up and give the energy to it do, do you find uh, Katie that it, it comes easy to you or, or or not is it something in other words is it a calling do you have to do it well I love it I think about it constantly and then like you see I'm growing tomato plants since the lockdown I put more time into my tomato plants than I do my scripts I just can't help it like I'm constantly up walk around the apartment and like the bulbs look a bit dusty over there I must go clean those too before you actually good to, know. good to know yeah like I percolate a lot and I think that's maybe why I I yes. use um, competitions and festivals and stuff as well because I tell myself no matter what you have to have this submitted to Kerry or London or wherever it is yeah. or the US festivals by the 20th and if your draft is crap you're sending it in anyway you're going to embarrass yourself the programmer's going to know you can't write for it you know what I mean so there's a lot of like self-tough love there I think or like doing something like writing for Comortis was because Tristan who um, is on the festival circuit with Cune at the same time as myself yes. and I met him actually in Kerry when in orbit was screening there and he said just go for it it doesn't matter if you have no word of Irish you know and then the privilege of the lockdown was that I was stuck in my yeah. room and I treated it like have you seen a beautiful mind where he's got the post-its yeah all over the walls i looked like like that right doing this learning irish and then by the way glancing around as i was thinking in the middle of my pitch reading it off the walls you know and um, to try and relearn the language so like i need a lot of external pressure and i need to put a lot of pressure on myself as well because like with a full-time job a really demanding full-time job yeah. you've got choice but to just grab the hours where you yeah. can so kind of like alba what what you had said to me years ago about Alva, Alva and a number of other Irish writers, male and female, spoke to me about the creative practice and, uh, you know, about all of the, yeah. uh, how they get about doing it, how they set about doing it. And it, it was in, it's in an, an academic book, but uh, but it, it was a very uh, conversational uh, piece that I wrote. But Alva, you talked about like that, you know, like the kids are in school, X amount of time, having time to be sort of messing around, having time to be, I have to give it that 100% focus there and then. So that's yeah. kind of interesting that that focus for both of you is is essential. And if you're if you're messing around and only dipping your toe in the water now and again, sure, it's hardly very surprising if something positive doesn't come from that because you do have to give your energy, don't you, to to whatever it is you want to succeed at. It has to take yeah. your energy. But you have to um, mind your energy reserves as well. Because, so because I think, and and I had a conversation with a, a female friend the last day, and we were trying to gauge whether our like I'm just an, a people pleaser. I'm really working hard to curb that. I'm working so hard to be able to say no. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I don't know. And she's, I, she thinks it's a female thing. I'm not sure if it's a female thing, if it's your positioning in family, if it's, I don't, if there's any amount of reasons you could be a people mm -hmm. pleaser, but it is such, it's a, it's a, a thing that has to be curbed. It has yes. to, because yes. people that will always true. ask you for yes. things. Yes. So you've got to mind your energy on all fronts. Yeah. And that includes cre creatively. Yes. I'm looking yeah. at all the questions that I have that I wanted to ask you all. And I'm 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 really responding on the hook here. And I'm going like, there is no way you're going to get to all of these questions, particularly given <laughs> you know the, the my talk at the beginning and so on, and, and, and we lost Kathy. But um let me just come to this, given given I suppose our focus and the fact that um there's three women sitting in front of me who are, you know, very exciting artists. There seems to be 
a greater focus on female driven films and certainly female characters in the last few years. I mean, you could meet uh, female film directors out there who will tell you that not too long ago, not too long ago, they could not get a film with a female protagonist to be taken seriously to get funding that they were being told it wasn't marketable. It, you know, nobody really wants to see that. So I suppose I'm wondering wh why, of all the things that have happened, I think, in Ireland, I mean, I, I, a book I recently edited is about the international situation. And so many countries are going, oh, we're so tired of seeing, of not having female characters leading in films, and we're so tired of having, you know, <clears throat> very one-dimensional stereotypical female characters and I think well that's something that's really changed in this country because it seems to be there seems to have been a huge surge uh, towards embracing <clears throat> of female stories and female characters I'm wondering Kathy if I can start with you like do you think why do you think it is I mean is it a case of taste of change is it a case that um, no, let me just put it to you. Like, why do you think? Do you agree that we seem to be surrounded by a fantastically, uh, you know, a fantastic change in that regard? Well, I mean, I can only sort of think of my own perspective, and I guess like I'm, I'm always kind of looking for films, my own for my own viewing, like that are much more complex, and I want to be able to see versions of myself as complicated as they are, and for for a long time I just couldn't find them and mm -hmm. um, that was what was interesting about Can't Cope, Won't Cope when it first came out because it was it was the start of telling more intricate complex women who weren't necessarily just straight up likable you know they weren't easy reads mm -hmm. and I guess I was looking for that nuance in terms of storytelling and as a filmmaker myself like that's where I think it gets very interesting and I, I had a I had a chat with the, this uh, critic not so long ago, and she, she said something really wonderful. I thought she said um, she, her belief is that female filmmakers tend to, you know, whether they're writers, directors, producers, it, it's like they they are they're really interested in telling uh, stories which are much more dynamic in in terms of how all the crafts overlap. Where she says sometimes she finds with male uh, filmmakers, it's really about an imposed vision. This is a story. Follow it. And she says with female uh, stories and female talent behind the camera, it's like, it's so much more nuanced. It's very, it really asks a lot of the audience to lean in. And that's really interesting because that is a different way of looking and reading. And I, so I do think there is something in the language of what people are now being able to read and wanting to see out that feels much more satisfying. And I think kind of like the difference between fast food and good food that uh, I think there is something there that as stories are getting more complex with, and not only female talent, I think people from lots of different underrepresented groups, like the fact that these voices and these stories, they're so much more satisfying, so much more wholesome because uh, it feels realer in a sense. And I yeah. think that's what the demand is. Mm -hmm. And I, thankfully the film, um, the film industry is responding to that. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the egg, egg before the chicken, I don't know. But there's definitely language. Yeah. What about you, Alba? What do you, what do you think? I, I feel on an industry level, my mm. experience has been over the last 10 years mm. that I can almost, there's a certain type of phone call mm. from a producer. Mm. And I know that they have thought of me because I'm a woman. I don't know if that's mm. a bad or a good mm. thing, but I know that having a female, say, writer on the project 
ticks a certain box for applications mm -hmm. and you f there's a certain there's a there's a taste to those calls I don't know it's hard to differentiate yeah. saying, mm -hmm. and I was saying to my husband I don't know does it does it feel great to be getting the call because you're the the woman mm -hmm. but he was saying stop overthinking it it is it, it, mm -hmm. the question is do you connect with the project do you connect mm -hmm. with the source material if so you're the right person for the job if not you're not mm -hmm. and then I realized that I have started to pick projects based on the team I'm, I'm I'm going to be working with because like a project can 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 last for years and years and these people are in your life mm -hmm. and and I find I am moving towards female filmmakers in all capacities because I enjoy not not exclusively but that's just I find them more naturally collaborative more nurturing to a degree um but I do feel that there is a certain plus given to an application when there's a woman on it in a, in a good way it's mm -hmm. affirmative action is that the term mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. um, I, I yeah. can feel yeah. that on the ground level mm -hmm. that people are looking for women's stories they're looking for women talent or female talent mm -hmm. and, and that has to be a good thing it mm -hmm. it's how we manage it now and how we take advantage mm -hmm. of it or Indeed. you know but yeah. Um, it's just you have to be careful when we focus on any gender because I think every human's made up of both in, in, in a certain degree. And like my, my, my son, who's 10, said to me the last day, just out of the blue, he said, but boys aren't bad, mum. And I said, no, no, not at all. I was like, well, why? And he was like, because everything's about girls now. And it is true. I'm the worst for buying, you know, stories for rebellious girls and, you know, just all this colouring books about, you know, female uh, sports stars. And I am pushing women so much, I realised, even in my tiny domestic kingdom, that my son's going, hang on. So it, it's a real balancing act to address something but yeah. that was definitely a concern yeah. but then not to yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah. I, I think though to, i must i must i must come in with my my factual hat on here from it i mean i think that we needn't be too concerned that we're going the other way because actually okay. the data would say in fact the in fact, unless we keep going we could be having this conversation right. in 10 years and we could go oh, god you remember back in 2020 things were looking so but I, I i know what you're i know what you're saying i think it's probably our awareness is shifting isn't it quite across yeah. the way and of course sometimes that awareness as somebody was saying to me recently um to do with with research i'm, I'm doing at the minute sometimes the the um sometimes they are looking for a box to be ticked now i suppose the question is and sometimes there's genuine, you know, as you say, collaboration and a genuine, you know, female story to be told. And sometimes it's a bit cynical with box ticking. Now, you know, is the cynical box ticking thing, is that still going to get women in there and working? Maybe so. Yes. You know, and if so, I think tick the box. Yeah. At your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Katie, yeah. what do you what do you think about all of this? About um, I suppose the change in the gaze, um, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, having uh, increasingly, certainly on screen, there being more scope for uh, female characters and indeed for other underrepresented groups. Would you talk about a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I think I, I think what Cathy said actually about um, kind of people evolving and how they tell their stories and like female stories being much more nuanced is very true. Like I think we're not only meeting a demand for the industry where we have to cop on and at least reach parity, we're also mm -hmm. finding like audiences are getting so much more emotionally intelligent that we need to tell more emotionally complex stories. And I think a lot of the time when you've got women crafting it, we do approach things maybe sometimes a little bit more emotionally. And I like that's not in a negative way at all. I'm like, I don't write emotionally. I, I won't finish a script until it has me in tears. You know, I'm going to think, okay, it's now. I'm in bits. I can, I'm finished with that, you know. Um, <laughs> 
on the flip side is like, I think like what you're saying about ticking a box is very very true Do you know like I've I've had lots of producers actually um approach me recently like looking for oh have you written anything this fund has come up this fund's got that thing is there's money on this come on can we have you do the script I go feck off no I don't know you I don't you know what I mean so and I think it is because they're looking for the the culty little curly haired hobbit who ticks not only the female box but the LGBT box as well. Oh my know? god, you're such a box ticker, Katie. I can just see it. <laughs> I know, um, and that's the thing. Like, there is a certain amount of cynicism there, but at the same time, I not only write stories like for myself and for you know where I think something's missing. Like I pride myself in writing things that I think haven't been written before. Like Lambing's about intersex, for instance. You know what I mean? Treated, you know and like that's and I think it's also like I'm not I think we've kind of gone beyond a little bit the female stories I think we're we've got a more intelligent view on like what's femininity and what's masculinity oh, and how totally. yeah. represent in both men and women like mm-hmm. in the intersex script for instance it would have been so much easier to focus on the mother but I focus on the father who himself struggles with the fact that he is a shy man, he's sensitive, he doesn't fit into this like concrete dust rural world. And so he's struggling with femininity as a father, you know, and I think people are much more open to those kind of stories now or kind of stuff that's a little bit more philosophical and which which I love. And I think, so the shift is coming from the inside and the outside, I think, to be honest. I think we're responding to something and then there's natural... I think people, women as well, because we have been kind of nurtured, it's been this kind of like miracle grow of encouragement for the last five years or so, like it just as I've been coming in, we're responding to that because we're getting more confident. And writing a script in Irish when you haven't spoken Irish in 12 years is stupid. Like it's a stupid (laughs) thing to do. And I did it anyway, because I was like, you know what, worst case scenario is I seriously embarrass myself here. And I kind of did, and I kind of didn't, and I got the funding, so happy to Great. Uh, and I mean, I totally agree. And, and Katie, uh, about the whole diversity and the richness of the palette that we have at our disposal. And, and Katie, I know that I've, I've spoken about this before to you. My my particular, I suppose, wish would be that we have far uh, greater numbers of, you know, women over 50 plus behind the camera and in front of the camera, that the, the stories about all of us don't stop at a certain point. Or, you know, if they, if they are there, that they're like the mummy in the kitchen, which is fine if you're focusing on her, but not these sort of peripheral um, roles that, you know, diminish in a way. So I, I would be very much for enriching all of that. But I just see here, in case I lose my great job here for ignoring the audience, uh, there is an audience question in, and it's for you, Cathy. Can I ask Cathy how she feels about the fact that she directed a TV series before directing her first feature? How did that prep you? Or did it prep you? I had done Glue before I had done Pan Cup, One Cup. And it's very interesting because they're very different. Uh, so Glue was a really, really decent budget at the time. And it was when TV was starting to really do something really interesting. So I came in mm. on, in the middle of a block. So it meant that I was kind of copying and it, in a sense I had to kind of take whatever house style had been set up and try to find my own voice in it and that was really interesting as a learning experience because it was straight out of my master's so I got to upscale in terms of working with bigger budget bigger team and super tight schedule so that was the first experience mm-hmm. of that so I technically learned a lot and it gave me a lot of confidence in terms of oh I can do it short oh I can do tv then Campo Bunkup was a very different experience because, um, well, for start, I came on board uh, when Stephanie had one page and I helped her in terms of what, how screen yes. would 
and how to develop the TV series in two years. So it wasn't like I came in on the, here's all the scripts, off you go direct it. So I guess already that was an unusual process. But what was very different was how tight the budget was, how tight the schedule was. Um, I think like one day we were shooting um, like 10 pages in like one day, which was just insane. It was like incredibly fast. And so I had to learn quickly on my feet. And in the edit, I think we had four days per ep to picture lock, which is insane. <laughs> so I learned loads in terms of fast. And I also learned I do not want to make those compromises ever again because oh, there is only so much you can do. And, you know, by the skin of my teeth, I was able to direct that to a certain level, but I realized that I do not want to make these compromises when it comes to my own feature. I will wait until the book, right? I will wait until I have a team around me that feels right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was really fortunate with, um, with Wildfire that we, I had producers who were willing to wait and they were able to champion me. And I think that's really important. If you decide to, to hold on for your feature, like wait till you have the right champions around you because you get one go at your debut and let it mean something to you because I have other peers and they've gone ahead and they rushed to make their, their feature and um, just because they wanted it under their belt. And they've kind of said, that's not really kind of what I want to make. Mm. I don't have that regret. I had to wait a long time, but I don't have the regret of okay. I didn't make what I wanted. I get you. Uh, Kathy. I'd love to talk more. And also there's loads of things I want to talk about, but just, and I see three more questions coming in, which I have to get to, but I would just say this much. Um, can you just say, tell me very briefly, because I haven't got time to go into this, but I'm, I'm curious about it. Is the Screen Skills Ireland mentorship program a worthy one? Because you mentioned championing there, Cathy. And I'm just wondering, do you think the mentorship program, guys, uh, Alva and Katie, do you think it's sort of in a way is like you having a champion and, and, and someone who's personally encouraging you? Is, is it a good thing, that scheme? I'm not actually on that scheme. Oh, uh, obviously, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, no, I'm having a panic. Oh, you certainly were on guiding lights, weren't you? You were yes, on guiding, guiding lights. lights. Was brilliant. Yes. Did you yes. find that good? Yeah, I think mentorships do work, but it do depends work. on the mentor you get. But if you are mentored and you appreciate mm -hmm. it, you are twice as likely to help someone else. Yes. And I, I've got so many leg ups from women in the industry who are further ahead. Not even ahead because it's not a destination, not but just really, to are in a position right. to help. Yeah. And yeah. they are. Yeah. It's just important yeah. to help. No, it is. Katie, please tell me you are on the mentoring screen. Yeah. yeah. I could not get a second one, a second research issue here. Yeah. Are you finding it useful? Yes. Uh, no, completely. It's it's brilliant. Like I've I've got my next meeting with Ruth um, Treaty from Tailored Films um, this week, and like my brother is like I've got so many different things going on, and then mm -hmm. with the lockdown, I lined up so much stuff um, that I'm kind of it's not overwhelmed. I could be overwhelmed if I didn't have someone talking me through it. And like that, this isn't a job. Like being a filmmaker um, is one thing. Being a writer and a director and a producer and having a yeah. day job is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Ruth is teaching me more than anything is just you cannot split yourself into bits you know like yeah. you need to give a little bit of time to each role each day it's like I would love to write full time but then I'd miss directing I'd love to direct but I don't want to direct anything I haven't written I can't have it all my own way and so she's teaching me the beauty of just just give it an hour every morning like I get up at six o'clock every morning I work for two and a half three hours on my own work I have a shower I have breakfast I do my day job 
till half six or seven. I might have a recording session in the US for that that goes on to midnight. I go to bed, I get up, I do it again. And I have to keep doing that, but, and I do it, and I don't do it when I'm feeling wrecked and tired, because to be mm-hmm. honest, I'm a bit like directed mm-hmm. and proud myself, never do that, that's a stupid mm-hmm. idea. I edited and ended up doing all the VFX myself, and I'm pushing the festival strategy by myself as well, and doing all the social media and stuff. And it's too much, it takes an awful long time to get all that adrenaline mm-hmm. and the stress and the pressure out of your body. So to be honest, when the lockdown happened, I just went to sleep for two months. I was like a little bear. Oh, yeah. And I think you need to yourself- and taking your vitamins because because Katie, yeah. there's actually a, a, it's a question, but I, but because there's two directed to you, I just but it's actually a statement. How does Katie do it? I wish I had her energy. I mean, do you know what I mean? I that, I, I I leave it. I, I leave that one at it because the second person wants to ask the question: Is in orbit available to watch anywhere at the moment? Yeah, it's actually it's in about eight festivals that are coming up in the next three to four weeks. Um, the next one is I think Queer B based in Indianapolis, or there's two in Indianapolis, and another one. So it's on a few different ones. I'm actually going to be posting about all of them on my Twitter and stuff later on. So it will be it will be out there. Yeah. Okay. I I'm furious to say we're nearly at the end. Uh, I just can't believe that I have about another five questions that I didn't get to. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, but I, before I leave you go, there were two things I want to ask. I, if if Katie and Kathy could give me a quick answer to this, I'd be delighted. Uh, this is not something that um, that is going to uh, have any impact on you, Alva. I was going to ask either of you just this much: Are you conscious of the fact that female crew need a hand up as well, and that a lot of focus has been on writer, director, producer, and the crew? don't sometimes get a look in and there's and not just crew i mean maybe that terminology is incorrect i mean um i'm talking about anybody outside writer director producer who has a key role in a film and is trying desperately to get the chance are you conscious of that or do you find you you is that something that you think or don't think about when you're when you're um when you're shooting well for 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 me i i felt with wildfire i really wanted to work with a female dop I, yeah, I, yeah. I really wanted to work with, because again i felt like there's something in terms of point of view that's um I, you know i have worked with uh, male dops before and i just felt like i want to I, I need to see the difference yeah, and i need mm-hmm. to feel the difference and for mm-hmm. me that massive it felt really different and um i i i, I for for wildfire exclusively only interviewed uh, female dps and okay. I thought the, the level of understanding the nuance of the script not mm-hmm. very different. What about you, Katie? Definitely, yeah. I think like in in my day job, it's it's funny. Like we're a huge studio, and most of the producers are um, women, and most of the animators and stuff are boys. And that's not done on purpose. And then my boss saw that and said, "This isn't good enough." And then we hired four graduates. You know, so okay. I've that balance in my day job. And then with the film stuff. Um, like I was actually on set for Lily when they they I was an extra. I was crap. I thought like, Graham put me in the back of every scene. Thank God. Um, but there was a lot of female crew on that as well, which I thought was done on purpose and was excellent. It was the sense of it was so, you should make it such an issue so that eventually it becomes a non-issue, you know. And yeah. I thought it was yeah. And it's kind of echoing what you said, Alva. There about given, uh, you know, women have given you a hand up, and I just yeah. think you know increasingly. We feel, and in WIFT, we're very conscious of the fact that, you know, it is all about writer, director, producer, and there's so many other women in the industry looking for a way in, looking for a hand up, looking for a chance to prove themselves. 
now somebody else was asking me about your feature katie no time to ask you but i do want to go around the house once saying this much what's on your wish list where are you going alva five years time where do you want to be ideally oh, i would love to be writing one or two films a year one a year that's well paid with a gang i love um yeah i'd love to be in the position to say no to yeah just one select project yes okay great kathy kathy what about you um i want to develop my own tv series and set it somewhere international so i'm in the very early stages of going out to uh, international writers for that one right and i and i also isn't your next feature or the one that you're planning isn't that set in the amazon or something like that uh, we're going to develop that into a tv series okay all right so so you're breaking out of these shores and you're, you want to go for, further with your stories which is great so. i'm talking to another uh producer and there, there there's a chance that there might be an irish story somewhere down the line again um oh, just, right. yeah. yeah i'm sure there'll be lots of time for lots of stories Katie, what about you? Five years. Imagine Katie McNeese five years down the road. What is she doing? Please tell me that you'll be stopping to at least take a rest or read a book or put your feet up. No, I've actually I've actually just optioned a book um, for Little Island. I, I don't know if I can say what it is or not, but I'm writing my first solo feature script. Um, I want to get funding for that next year, take a few months off the day job, get that made, write a second feature script in 2022. And I want to um, direct the two shorts I've already gotten funding for, and I'll do another one, but that's it. I want to do four and then move to features. And I want to give up the day job eventually. Like, I love it, but I'd love to be in a position where I don't have to do that anymore. Yes. Wow. Okay. Folks, um, thank you so much. I have so enjoyed talking to you. I, like, I really, really have. And each one of you, I could just um, I could just talk forever with. Thank you all so much. It's so exciting to think uh, that I'm sitting here. Look, four of us. And really, honestly... Ten years ago, I don't think you would have had a square like that. Uh, you wouldn't. So uh, probably six years ago, even. Uh, all different uh, individuals coming from different places, going different places, and all passionate about the work and about the industry. So I wish, uh, I, and on behalf of WIFT, of course, as well, uh, I wish you well. I really, really wish you well. We'll be watching your careers with great enthusiasm and supporting you all the way. So until we meet again, Good luck and thank you all very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Until the next time, thank you for listening. For more content, podcasts and information, please visit our website at wft.ie.